with all of this going on and with such a busy time of the year, we've decided to do something a little bit fun today for the end of the year, haven't we? We have. And we have written down and haven't shared with each other a whole heap of questions to learn more about each other. And I've had a bit of fun writing these, to be honest, Tim. Oh, Jesus. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. It's time for you to increase your influence, grow your business, and scale to freedom. Now, let's enter the lab with your host, Samantha Riley. Welcome back to another Thursday episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I'm here with my fabulous co-host, Tim Hyde. How are you going today, Tim? Good, Sam. Tired. Oh, oh no. What have you been up to? Um, I've been up in Sydney a lot lately, up your way, um, eight out of the last 12 days. And of course, I think when I travel, I tend to just like burn the candle at both ends. So my work days sort of suddenly go out to sort of 12, 13, 14 hours, not including then the celebratory drinking time afterwards. It's more of that, isn't it? Because I know I spent a few of those days with you. <laughs> well, yeah, but no, that was business time. <laughs> <laughs> Relationship building time is important. Absolutely. It's but it is. really, it has, really important. It has been, as we come into the end of 2019, it has been a pretty full-on year with lots going on, both personally and professionally, and you know, lots coming out of the woodwork at this time of year as well. Absolutely. But it's been, it's been fun. It's been fun. Yeah, crazy fires at the moment as well. Oh, I can't even see out of my balcony today. It is so, there is so much smoke I can't even see on the other side of the road. Yeah, it's cleared up a bit here today, which, is, which has been good. But like I'm driving out of Sydney last Friday, I was just up and back for the day. You know, so six hours of driving for a four-hour meeting is always fun. Yeah. Like I couldn't see, you know, the, the sky was, you know, the sun was this little red orb brown sky. And as I got down the M5 towards Canberra, you know, on the right-hand side towards the Blue Mountains were just these plumes of smoke. And then, you know, yeah. left and southwest was all blue sky. And um, I took a couple of photos, which I might throw up in the in the show notes as well, of what it actually looked like coming looking back at Sydney. It was pretty crazy. It's scary, scary times. Scary times. Mm. Yes. We need some rain, don't we? We need a lot of rain. I hope that they do clear up soon. We've certainly got family that are in the fire zones, so it's been stressful, obviously, for them more than us. But, you know, our thoughts are with everyone at the moment and the firefighters and hoping that they clear up soon. Absolutely. But... With all of this going on and with such a busy time of the year, we've decided to do something a little bit fun today for the end of the year, haven't we? We have. And we have written down and haven't shared with each other a whole heap of questions to learn more about each other. And I've had a bit of fun writing these, to be honest, Oh, Tim. Jesus. What <laughs> <laughs> will this reveal? <laughs> Look, what's business? I, I, don't know that, I don't know that we necessarily know these things about each other yet. Well, no, that's why I decided to ask you. <laughs> We're going to go one for one. Yeah. Jump in. We're going to go one for one. Yeah. Can I start? Can I start? Can I start? <laughs> you may. Ladies first. <laughs> Thank you. Can I pass? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, and you can't phone a friend. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no lifelines. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, is this one again, one of those Monty Python moments when they ask, what is your favourite Colour. <laughs> Do you know what? I am so not a Monty Python fan. Are you? No. I can't talk to you anymore. <laughs> the end. Anyway, <laughs> the end. thanks for joining us, everyone. <laughs> no, I don't I, I don't find it funny at all. It's I just... think that just got to the point where it was like, I don't know what else to put in this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like Monty Python. But anyway, it's not my kind of humour. Yep. But what I want to know, Tim, is what were you like at school? 
Oh, I want to know if you were the class clown. That's what I want to know. I don't know that I was the class clown at all. I that I am now. I mean, I was a repressed class clown, <laughs> but I wasn't. I was definitely not a very good student. I think, and I look back at school, and, and of course, my son's now fourteen, so he's just getting into high school. Uh, and I see very similar traits with, with him as well. That he just gets bored of school. Um, so, did you spend lots of time doing sport? Like, was that what you did, or you just completely? I, I spent a lot of time. I spent a lot of time playing five hundred and risk. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, that's quite similar to being an entrepreneur, isn't it? It's just, you know. Oh, yeah, look, all, probab- all probability. I think, um, yeah, I was definitely not a good student. I was probably a good student in the subjects that I enjoyed and with the teachers that I, I got along with, you know, and, and really resonated with. And I see the same thing as my, with, with my son as well. I don't know that I'd necessarily say, say, James, go to university because that's a done thing. I did that because I was the eldest child and I was kind of, you know, expected. I grew up in a family that weren't, at all business oriented, right? No one in my family that in that I know of um, several generations back has ever been a business owner. They've always been employees. And I think if you grow up in that environment, you're always expected to go to college, go to university, get a job and, you know, be a, and work your way up the corporate ladder or the government ladder, right? Mm-hmm. And I never really, that didn't really fit for me. Mm-hmm. And so subjects like math, I was already really, really good at you know, business management, economics, I could have done that all day, every day. And it never really seemed like school and it probably could have done quite well. But I had to go and do these, you know, physics and, you know, chemistry and science and history and English. And I hated those things. And I don't know, there was necessarily, I didn't get along with my teachers, but whether it was the teacher or the subject, you know, I certainly wasn't very good at those things. And even in, even in things like math, which came really naturally to me, I didn't pay much attention at all. I got plenty of dusters thrown at me. Put it that way. <laughs> Oh, those were the days, that great smell of the duster hitting the desk and you're coughing with all that chalk going up your nose. Well, you can't do it anymore because it's all whiteboards. (laughs) (laughs) No, I also don't think you can do it because I don't think teachers would get away with it now. No, probably not. No, it's a very different world. You were like at school. That's not one of my questions, though. <laughs> well, you'll never know. I'm going. I might have to adjust my questions just to change them. I'm going to go with a nice, easy one to start with for you. Okay. Sam. I hope it's right. easy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you're going to fix one of these two things: world peace or world hunger. Which would you fix? Well, that's deeper than my question, isn't it? I think it would be. Okay, this is the way my brain's going. I think it would be world peace because I think off the back of world peace, you would automatically fix world hunger. Oh, that's cheating. Why? Why is it cheating? No, world hunger. No, 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 no. Entrepreneurs, (laughs) they know they don't have to choose A or B. We know that we can have A and B. It's just about innovating and deciding how to do it. So I'm Well, that would be true. We, We would be able to spend a lot more global military spending on other things if we had world peace. I think that if there was world peace, there'd be a lot more empathy for people and you would, you know, there would be more priority to fix some of the things that some people turn a blind eye to. Good one. You should be on like a pageant stage. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, because I'm so gorgeous and all, yeah. (laughs) No. Isn't that the answer? What's important to you? World peace. (laughs) (laughs) I I want to know, Tim, what are you afraid of? What am I afraid of? Yeah. I don't know that I'm afraid of much at all. I probably have a morbid fascination of getting eaten by a shark. I reckon that would really suck, to be honest. You reckon? (laughs) <laughs> I reckon you might be right. <laughs> that would probably not very good. <laughs> to be honest. I usually joke and say that I'm, you know, I have some allergies. One of them is to poverty. Yep, I like it. 
I don't have the normal fears I think that a lot of people have. Like I'm not afraid of public speaking. Mm-hmm. I know that terrifies people. I'm not afraid mm-hmm. of death particularly because yep. I know that I'm already dying and it's inevitability. So, you know, why be afraid of it? I'll do what I can while I'm, a, while I'm alive. So, yeah, my fears are kind of weird ones like that. I think, um, and I know that like every entrepreneur, we probably have at times a fear of being found out as a fraud. You know, so be it. Yep. <laughs> you know, I do what I do. Yeah, so I think if I had a fear, it's probably been eaten alive by a shark. Wow. Well, I, I guess... that's pretty you, random, isn't it? That's pretty well, random. it is pretty random, but it's also maybe that's why you live in Canberra. No water anywhere near. <laughs> <laughs> potentially. Potentially. All right, here we go. Childhood dream job. As you were growing up, what was your dream job that you always wanted to have as a kid? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so this is so easy. For my whole life... I wanted to be a ballerina. I wanted to be a professional ballet dancer and that was all squashed because A, I wasn't good enough and B, I was too short, which people laugh because it's, you know, it's well known that ballet dancers are generally quite short. But the whole idea of how tall a dancer needs to be is that when they're on their toes, they still need to be around the same height as the male. And I could be on my toes 20 times over and I still wouldn't be the height of most males. You don't know, I'm extremely short. haven't hit five foot. And it probably wouldn't work if you were standing on a box. Nah, not so much, (laughs) hey. So at probably at about 12, I, uh, I decided that I would be a ballet teacher instead. And that's what I did for nearly 20 years. Yeah. So you I just actually realised it. You got to realise your childhood yep. dream. Yeah. I never, I never did. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved being a dance teacher. Mm, um, very cool. Yeah. All righty. I want to know, Tim, what's been your funniest parenting moment? Oh, God, my funniest parenting moment. I think my funniest parenting moment and, and perhaps my epic fail parenting moment are the same, one and the same thing. We've been living in our house now for seven years. And when we first moved here, my son was seven years old. Oh, I might change my funniest moment. Oh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this one and then I'll tell you another one. Okay. Um, and we'd always, I guess, jokingly taught our son James how to sell shit, right? In, <laughs> in, in his bounce right? Like he, he would used to sit on his, you know, back step and eat peanut butter. He did olive oil tastings when he was one year old, sitting on the kitchen bench sort of things. But we always taught him, you know, taught him that he could kind of do anything and, and, and be anything he wanted to be, right? As long as he could then sell something. Uh-huh. Right? Either it was an idea or a product or whatever. And when we first moved, and as a result, he's kind of grown up quite fearless. It was one Saturday, my wife's in real estate and she was out doing some open homes. I was on in our home office on a call to a client and I assumed that my seven-year-old son, or might have been six at this stage, was either playing Xbox or watching TV in the house because I could hear the TV in the background. My wife came home and Gabe came in, gave me a kiss and then called out to James and you know, couldn't find him and then came back into me and said, oh, where's James? And uh, I said, I don't know, I assume he's in his bedroom or, or watching TV or something. And she disappeared from the office again and then came back and said, oh, no, he's not in the house. <laughs> right? And so I'd lost him. And, uh, you know, we freaked out a bit and we sort of rang all the, you know, na- the friends in the neighbourhood that he would normally hang out with. And there weren't that many at that stage because we'd literally, you know, we're two or three weeks into our, our new place. Called my sister who lives one suburb in one direction. He's not there. Calls my brother. He's in one suburb in the other direction. He's not there either. Get in the car. We drive around the neighborhood. We can't find him. 
And of course, my wife is now freaking out. Uh, like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking right okay. now. And I'm trying to be cool, calm and collected and go, no, it's okay. He's responsible. <laughs> At six years old. <laughs> six, seven years old. And sure enough, we're about to call the police. We're standing in front gate and, and it's literally got the phone in hand. And sure enough, this little kid comes dancing down our driveway through the front gate into the house. Massive, big smile on his face like he's super proud of himself. And uh, I can hear these coins rattling in his pocket. And he sort of reaches into his pocket and lays them all out of the table. And there's about 20 bucks there. And I go, where the hell did he get $20 from? Okay. And then my second thought was, which is probably the funny one, is that it's not drugs because clearly it's not enough money. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So it turns out that he'd actually been watching TV and he'd seen the RSPCA ad with the wombat that runs across the... Uh across the screen and he had decided in his little seven-year-old brain that it would be a really great thing to raise money for the RSBCA. So he went out doing door-to-door sales selling loom bands, which were little rubber band bracelets they had a few years ago uh-huh. with the kids. And so he'd gone selling door-to-door. And then I asked him that night and I did find myself going, you know, thinking, no, if I tell him no, he probably will, will squash that little entrepreneurial spirit of his. And I thought, Rather than saying no, let me sort of redirect that to maybe a more positive thing and saying, okay, look, if you're going to do this again, just please let us know where you're going and we'll come with you. <laughs> but secondly, I asked him, I said, did anyone say no? And he said, yeah, lots of people said no, Dad. I said, well, next time you do that, make sure you get their name. And when then you knock on the neighbor's house, say old Sid next door said that you'd be interested in one of these things <laughs> and that you should buy one. And what's your name? <laughs> Sure enough, he went out the next day and made twice as much money. <laughs> Didn't tell us he was going, but took it all into the RSPCA and um, and uh, gave them gave them about I think about fifty or sixty dollars to the girls at the RSPCA and made them all cry. Oh, that is a wrote, fantastic story. And then wrote handwritten notes to everybody to say thank you for donating. That is such a good story. There's not really too much epic parenting fail in that. That oh, is apart from that is pretty well. Yeah, losing <laughs> your kid is a bit of an epic fail. But wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, he did actually go and sell his his mother's old mobile phone the other day to one of the kids at school for four hundred and fifty bucks, and then retrospectively negotiated a. 20% commission. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's still some work to do there. <laughs> there's a little bit of work to do. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's my, that's my parenting moment. It's fantastic. All right. Now, I want to know for you, what's your worst boss moment? Either for you as in it, because you haven't really worked for anybody else. I, I have a um, little bit. Briefly, but what do you reckon is your worst boss moment where you've had a fail? Oh, I, straight away, I know what it is. And it's funny because I've just spent the weekend down in Adelaide with, with my boys and with the rest of the family. We, uh, we hired a beach house and there was 12 of us in the beach house and uh, a few drinks on Saturday night and my boys were sharing all sorts of funny stories, which some of them weren't funny. But one of them was this actual story and it was a super epic, <laughs> super epic boss fail. This is where I learned about leadership in a big way. So we just bought our second dancewear store. And one of the girls that worked on the store, I wasn't too keen on. I didn't think that she lived up to the reputation that she had put forward. I liked her as a person. I just didn't think that she was up for the, uh, for the challenge and uh, of the position that she was in. Myself and, and the kid's dad, we used to talk about business all the time at the kitchen table. And this is where I learned that you probably don't talk about everything at the kitchen table. Because one day, my gorgeous son, Connor, at three years old, who was so cute, blonde dimples, everyone loved him, ran into the shop and said, what's your name? To the and girl. To the girl. 
let's call her Julie just for this story. That wasn't okay. her name. Names have been changed to protect the innocent. <laughs> Absolutely. And she said, oh, I'm Julie. And Connor, in all his innocence, goes, oh, you're the one that my mum doesn't like. <laughs> oh, God. The, oh, I just, I, I wanted to just, I wanted the ground to swallow me up. I'm pretty sure she did too, as well as being pretty grumpy with me. And I thought, yeah, that probably wasn't a really great thing to do. <laughs> yeah, that was oops. that was an epic. <clears throat> Kids are the, the, the wonderful innocence of youth. <laughs> yeah, it taught me a big lesson very, very quickly. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I think say much had, at the time. I think we've all had those ones, haven't we? Where the, oh. the kids have said shit that they're not supposed to say. Oh, so many times, so many times. I could give you 50 right now, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's your worst boss moment. That is, um, that is. All right. Now, I know that you've been married to your wife, Penny, for a lot of years. Yeah, around been. 20 years? Oh, we've been together for 22 now. We've married for 17 as of March. I think so. March next year. 2013. What does that make it? Is that 17 years? For 2013? No, no, 2003 we were married. Okay. Yeah, something. Maths is not my strong point. For, <laughs> you've been married to Penny for lots of years. I have been, yeah. So I think that's really awesome. First up, congratulations. Thank you. I want to know, how did you woo her? Where did you take her on her first date? I don't know that I did take her on first date. Oh, yes, I did. First date. I actually worked with her cousin, which is how we got introduced. Uh-huh. And, and Penny had just moved to Canberra from Byron Bay. And where were you working? I was working at the Civic Public Library. Oh, cool. I wasn't even a librarian. I was a librarian assistant. Uh huh. <laughs> anyway, so Penny had, had come in, and apparently she was quite infatuated with me. And we first, I think, we first met on the concourse at University of Canberra. And I was doing a martial arts demo with my brother, um, and we were both in our um, black geese. And I had a couple of butterfly swords, and he had an eight foot long staff, and we were smacking the crap out of each other with these with these things. Uh huh. Having a right old fabulous time by the as you time. do, as you do, right? So this is this is back when I was um, still training martial arts and. I think that year we went off to China to train with the Beijing, the Chinese National Wushu team, incidentally, which was like super awesome. Anyway, so we were doing this and she was quite fascinated with this whole thing about me. And I said, like, you don't really know anybody in Canberra. Let's go out with a bunch of people, right? And we'll we'll have a good time. And sure enough, we walked from my place in Aranda when, and when she turned up, I was literally sitting on the floor um, drinking red wine from a bottle and eating a bottle of spaghetti. (laughs) Super classy. (laughs) I know, right? She still thinks her dad would have been horrified if he'd walked in and, and seen me like that. <laughs> anyway, I went out, we, we had a good time. And then a couple of days, I think a week, week or two later, she had gone back to Byron for holidays. I think it was the first break of term or something. And I used to suck on the phone. I thought this is back when we didn't have mobile phones, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and yep. she would call me up while she was on, on holidays. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm having this really long phone call. And I really don't know what to say on it. Right, because the phone back then was like, I'm going to meet you here and hang up, and away we went. And then I thought, bugger this, she's kind of obviously wants me to say more, but I don't really want to say anything else. And I turned to a mate of mine who was a bit random at that stage and I said, Do you want to go on a road trip? And literally, he's gone, Yeah, sure, why not? And I, you know, turned back to the phone and, and said, Pen, I'll, I'll see you soon. And literally, we got in the car and we drove from Canberra to Byron Bay uh-huh. that afternoon. I think it was. I think it was about a 10 or 11 hour drive. Yeah, it's not a short trip. It's not a short, yes, definitely not a short trip. It might even be a 12 hour drive. And um, rocked up on her doorstep at, at half past midnight. Um, That's fantastic. Yeah, so that was how I wooed her, I guess. And that, yeah. that, was, that was quite impressive and got to meet all, you know, her mum and all the friends who had just conveniently turned up to see this bloke who had just driven 12 hours to see their, to see their little girl. That's great. 
Yeah, anyway, and then I had to call in sick. I had to call up a you know, cousin and say, hey, do you mind covering my shift on Monday? I'm like, I won't be, able to make it. <laughs> won't be able to make it back in time. Oh, that is such a sweet story, Tim. There we go. So that's how we, uh, that's how I, I don't know, wooed that's her. That's how you wooed, wooed her. Me. Well, that's very impressive. Yeah. We did have our first kiss by the dumpster at the back of the UC bar. <laughs> <laughs> That was super romantic. <laughs> I'm so glad that you popped that one in there to pop the bubble of the beautiful story. <laughs> I can do romance if I choose. <laughs> well, clearly you must have done something right. You've been married right. for a long time. I know. You've got to keep working on it though. All right, so let's do this one. Here's something that I saw a long time ago. This was a John Cleese thing. I'm speaking of Monty Python. Uh-huh. Is he John Cleese Monty Python? Yes, he is. He did a TV show on wine tasting. Uh-huh. I try to simplify it all because, you know, we don't want too many wine toffs. Right? And he hypothesized that if you put wine into a plastic bottle and in a paper bag, so you can't actually see the color of it, uh-huh. right? could you tell the difference? Now, I know you're a big white drinker and not so much red. Oh, no, I'm either. It just depends okay, on the now, can you? T- how much of a wine toff are you, Sam? Can you tell the difference if you were blindfolded between red or white? and then maybe even the varietal of wine. Well, I was just about to say, not only would I be able to tell if it was red or white, I can usually tell you what variety it is. And someone that I was dating before I met Leon was was a wine buff, and our first date <coughs> was going to a wine bar, and the bartender was giving up, uh, serving us wine. We had no idea what it was, and we had to guess what it was. And I, I it was a great it was a great date, not a great partner. <laughs> <laughs> great time <laughs> and got most most of them right favorite wine what's favorite your favorite wine what's your go-to i really love a shiraz i really love shiraz so i am a red wine drinker but i don't like to drink it when it's warm and we normally catch up more in summer because i don't go anywhere near canberra in the winter in summer i, I quite like a pinot grigio at the moment yeah most days get above zero in winter in canberra <laughs> <laughs> i hate the cold. <laughs> oh, you big sook. All right. I am, I am. <clears throat> now, let's follow on with the kind of the food and drink theme. I know that you're a big foodie mm-hmm. and that you're a great cook. I want to know what's your favourite cuisine? Um, at the moment, it is Moroccan. Ooh. Hmm. Yeah, so Moroccan's my favourite cuisine at the moment. Um, and I kind of like, I always tend to find that... Um, if I look at the most of the foods I like, they tend to sort of in this band around the equator. Okay. Okay. And I think one of the things I really love about Moroccan is that it has this really interesting combination of, you know, not just textures and, and, and foods. They use a lot of fruit in their cooking as well. So this this juxtaposition of, of both sweet and savoury things I, I really like about Moroccan food. I actually can you give us an example of a, a Moroccan dish? I don't actually think I've ever eaten Moroccan. So I've got one that I love doing on the barbecue where you marinate chicken in, in olive oil and honey and ras al which is a sort of a, a spice mix, and orange juice. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, I'm not sure if it's soy or not, something. There's something salty in there as well. Yeah. And then you sort of marinate it, grill it up, and then you serve it a sort of stew of, of apricots and olives. 
Oh, yummo. And it's absolutely delicious. So that, and that's fairly typical of, of Moroccan cuisine where you've got fruit and, and meats and something as well. I do another one, which is a lamb tagine. So a tagine is actually the, the vessel that you cook it in. Yep. And you tend to cook it on quite a slow heat and it keeps a lot of the moisture in the, in the food as well. But I do things like, you know, I put tomatoes in there and, and carrots and potatoes and, and lamb and sort of slow cook that down. I usually do it with a spiced couscous as well. So my couscous will have oh, onions and dates and coriander and fennel seeds and all sorts of stuff in it. Fantastic. Sounds so good. Tasty. And then like lemon zest and... A flavour sensation. It is lots of lots and lots of flavour. Love it. So that's my that's my foodie stuff at the moment. Nice. All right, now let's do this one. Let's go an obvious one. Why do you do what you do? Oh, a juicy one. Why do I do what I do? Well, as people know, or they might not actually know, I've been in business for quite a while. I've been in business for heading into 27 years now. And for 20 of those, I was in business with my now ex-husband. And over those years, I worked super, super hard. We had three businesses. I worked a lot of hours. The idea was that if I worked really, really hard now, I could sort of retire later. It was that old society's rule of that's the way it worked. And I had had my kids young and I just thought if I just work myself into the ground that this would all work out perfectly. And then in 2010, I separated from him. And the biggest realisation that I had was what have the last 20 years been for? I'm exhausted. I spent a lot of time not doing what I loved, you know. So I took that time, you know, at that time to really think what is it that I want my life to look like? And it was very much about I wanted more travelling. I wanted to spend more time with my family, friends, to really enjoy life. Why I do what I do now is because I want to help other people do that and realise that it's something that they don't have to have down the track. It's something that they can have right now. And with the amazing technology that we have, we are able to work now in a way that we're location independent, we're, you know, we're able to not get caught up in the constraints of, you know, what we should be earning or could be earning in a job. So there's a lot of opportunities. And so that's why I really love to help people to really leverage their expertise, turn it into to, um, something where they can create the life that they want. So that is why I do what I do. There we go. Love the passion. Love it. Excellent. All right, let me ask you. Let, let's finish this one up. Otherwise, we could be asking questions to each other all day. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I don't know, let us know. We, we might do this kind of episode again. Everyone might go, yeah, you two just rabbit on way too much. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know, Tim, what does 2020 hold for you? That's a, that's a tough one. I'm going to pass. No. <laughs> no, you can't pass. <laughs> can, I, can I find her? You sure I can't find a friend? Pretty sure we, uh, we went through the rules at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, look, I think 2020 probably won't be too much different from 2019. Well, like, look, I hope it is, right? Because, you know, we've spent every five weeks in hospital with pens anaphylaxis, which hasn't been fun. So 2020, I think, is really just going to be building on the foundations of stuff that I've, I've done this year. So, you know, as you know, Sam, I brought on, you know, some new team members mm-hmm. this year who are really sort of kicking goals for me. Really happy with how the programs have been developing out. And, and really, I think it's just going to be that building on that foundation that I've got to kind of just take that 
next step in business you know i think a few episodes ago we talked about you know what's the one thing that you kind of need to get on to that next level mm. right and for me i think it's just going to be you know i've got the audience i've got the consistency you know I've, I've got my business model right and it's really just kind of building on that business model to get to the point where i start to look at jvs and how i kind of work with other people to kind of then continue to grow the business to where i want it want it to get when I mean, i'd love to i'd love to sort of get this thing to kind of a couple of million in turnover where i can you know, comfortably step out when I want to and, and do other stuff as well. Don't get me wrong, I'm well off to <laughs> 2 million. But I think you just got to continue to kind of work on it and then tweak where you need to tweak. I'm really happy with where things are at right now. Um, I'm really happy with the stuff we're doing. I'm really happy with the clients that we're working with, mm. most of them. <laughs> <laughs> that was a nervous giggle from this end. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think that's 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 something I want to continue to work on, and, and you know, continue to work with great people, Sam, like yourself, where you know we're having fun. Right? And and for me, if I'm not having fun at what I'm doing, I, I kind of got a question: Why you want to continue doing it? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent, yeah. You know, and certainly if you've got this extended period of this is something I'm not enjoying, but I feel obligated to do, I think you need to take a long, hard look at look at it and say, hey, this is the right. Is this what I should be doing? And I think at Christmas, more so than any other time of year, this is probably the time that we take stock and reflect and say, am I on the right track to look at, you know, looking back at what your, you know, your 2019 has been like and then looking forward and saying, you know, if I keep doing the same thing, will I get where I want to go? Well, I have the same conversation with myself and go, yep, yep I'm really happy with what's happened, what's just, you know, what's occurred. Yeah. Um, and if you're not on that path, the sooner you change things up, the sooner you're going to, um, you know, get to the future you want. So mm. I think for 2020, it's, it's, it's going to be a little bit more of the same. I've got some interesting little side projects underway, which um, I'm looking forward to seeing how those evolve as well. But, you know, without getting too caught up with signing your shiny object syndrome. Um, you know, the main focus is just more of the more of the same. And I, you're, you're going to be running live events next year too. I'm going to be doing quite a few live events. So I've got um, I've already got three lined up for early next year. I'm going to continue doing those into into 2020. Probably starting to run a few of my own events as well as we've talked about in previous episodes. Yep. Just small little boardroom style things where we really sort of unpack you know the holes in people's business are. So you know, just reflecting on you know what I do. What I do is I want to see people succeed. We do it hard in business. And more often than not, we don't know what we don't know and we leave lots of opportunities on the table. And, and that's something that I really want to help people fix. Yeah. And you're very good at it. Thank you. Love it. Sounds like an exciting 2020. Absolutely. It should be fun. should be fun. One last question for you before we wrap up. Oh, I was going to try and dodge a bullet there. I know you were. Okay. No, it's, 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 e it's all even. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a nice, simple one for you that let's roll forward 50 or 60 years, mm -hmm. there is your gravestone there uh -huh. and your epitaph uh -huh. right, in Wikipedia, this lasting legacy. What does it say about you? It says that I helped other people find their purpose. I helped other people live a life they loved and I helped other people to live their legacy every day and to leave a lasting legacy. Love it. I thought you were going to say, Sam was a funny fucker. <laughs> Well, it says that in brackets at the bottom. And she was a funny fucker. <laughs> Just kidding. And she drank a lot of wine. <laughs> because, you know, life's all about having fun, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Sam, I've loved this episode. I think we should do more of these. I was just about to say, thanks for letting me ask you some of those questions. I didn't know any of those answers and it's been fantastic getting to know you on a different level. Yeah. It's yeah. been Good fantastic. Stuff. Good stuff. Awesome. Guys, hope you, hope you enjoyed 
today's episode. It's been fun recording it. Um, we've got a couple more to go for uh, 2019. Yeah. Looking forward to big hope you can join us in 2020 as well for next year. We've got lots of plans um, and I hope you uh, continue to join us on the Thought Leaders Business Lab podcast. And of course, also in the Thought Leaders Business Lab community on Facebook, just to search for that, you'll find us in there. You'll find all these episodes, links to show notes and et cetera, et cetera, of course, on samanthariley.global. And if you really enjoyed it, we'd love a shout out. Send your questions in. We'll give you a shout out and answer them on the, on the yeah. call and all that other good stuff. Yeah, definitely send your questions in. I'd love to do this again. I'd love to ask you some questions from our listeners. Be yeah. fantastic. Lots of fun. Anyway, th- guys, thanks for listening and joining us today. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Ciao for now. Discover how to grow and scale your thought leaders business. Check out samanthariley.global. Head over to Facebook and join a tribe of like-minded entrepreneurs in the Thought Leaders Business Lab community.